This is a drink with a friend. I am Tish Oxenreiter. Seth is normally with me, but he's not here with me today. And yet that's all right, because I'm chatting with two other people that I'm excited to introduce you to, Esty Smith and J.C. Smith. Do you guys actually go by your initials or is that just what's on your cover? We don't. We just, uh, <laughs> no, we're just Sam and Josiah. We, we, okay. I started that, I guess, uh, which is yeah, with your. No, it's not uh, at all. I love it, actually. I've thought of that for my own writing, so I completely get it. Um, well, I am super boring and am drinking regular old black coffee from the coffee shop down my street. How about you guys? What are you drinking? Josiah? I'm drinking Mexican Coke. Ooh, nice choice. Nice choice. A little upgrade from the from the usual. All right. How about you, Sam? <laughs> I am drinking American water from <laughs> Perfect. the tap uh, in our in our house. It's uh, yeah. It's it's very, it's refreshing and delicious. It makes a regular appearance on our show, and you know, there's absolutely no way it can sponsor us. So it's a legit choice <laughs> on our end. <laughs> the people are made up of like what 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 are we uh, like ninety six percent. 100, it's 130% water. So it's, it's kind of like a liquid cannibalism a little bit. It's, it's like how I like to think of it just to make it make me feel better about it. Yeah, that, that's not terrifying at all. It's totally fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> okay. So, um, Sam, people probably know of you as the author of the Green Ember series, which I'm sure you get all the time. Uh, my, my kids love it. My youngest was probably more the age that um, was the target market audience for that book series. He's now 12, but still loves it. He's read it in school, uh, for school book clubs. He's read it at home. He's done the audiobooks. He's done the whole bit. He loves it all. Um, and so you guys have started a new series, Josiah. I hear that this was your idea. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. Tell me more. I started started writing it as a TV show, uh, originally when I was 13. So that's uh, quite a few years now. Uh, Okay. Three or four? Three or four years, yeah. Mm-hmm. A long, long time. Uh, <laughs> Way back. <laughs> yeah, so it's always kind of, I think, had a, a very visual um, uh, feel to it. I think that's kind of the way we executed the, the book, even though it's you, you, know, you can't see it, you're reading. But I think it's that's, that's what it's suited to, for sure. Yeah. Where'd you get the idea? I don't really know where ideas come from. I, I, I think... <laughs> I always liked the idea of like a sort of nostalgic Americana take on like a classic fantasy story. So we've got all these, all these books, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, you know, the Narnia series, they're all, a lot of them have a very sort of British feel and that's a lot of fun. I love it. But I I thought it would be cool to have like a, uh, an American take on this kind of adventure. Cool. Yeah, no, I I completely see how that's possible uh, when I read the back cover of this book. Uh, tell me about who you wrote it for. Is this like your like if you came up with it when you were thirteen, were you thinking I'm going to write this for fellow thirteen year olds or at, create this story for fellow thirteen year olds? Hmm, I think probably not. I, I was I always had a pretty big vision for it. I wanted it to be like an epic story that was in the vein of like star Wars or the Lord of the Rings or something like that. Probably too ambitious of me, but, (laughs) but I always wanted it to be, to be able to reach anybody. Okay. Okay. So tell me about wrapping your dad into this, uh, shenanigan. How did that happen? 
Yeah. So I, I've always bounced ideas off of him, you know, and in the past couple of years, we've, we've done more of that kind of talk through stories together. Uh, even some of the green Ember books he's worked on, uh, we've kind of talked through the story stuff and things like that. And so I, I had been telling him about this, this world that I was building and this story that I was kind of creating. And at one point he kind of came to me and was, was saying like, you know, if you're writing this for, for television, it's a lot, it's a lot better sell to a, to a studio uh, if there's an established property already. So like a lot of fantasy stories have books attached to them, you know, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Percy Jackson, things like that. They come from successful books. So, so he kind of offered to, to help me out and to partner uh, writing this together so we can kind of get it out there. So in some ways it was handy that your dad already had a foot in that world of writing a book series. Cause he's pretty well established in that arena. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So Sam, tell me about what it was like writing or co-writing or mentoring or however you want to say it, uh, this series with your son. What was that like as a parent? Uh, it was wonderful. I loved it. Uh, yeah, he, he, I think he's a real creative kid and, and, and was when he first started this, this, this journey on, on this particular series. So it was really fun. I actually, when, when I approached him about it, I offered just to help him do it just because I thought it would, would kind of, you know, it's different even just for the green number series, when we're talking to movie studios or TV people, it's a lot different to say, uh, you know, Hey, I've got an idea for our rabbit story. You know, that that's a little different, even, even a treatment, I've got a, a screenplays or whatever. That's different than saying, you know, this is a, an established property that has an audience. People, there's, there are a lot of people out there who love it and kind of gives you a little more, um, but you a more solid footing. So I wanted to sort of him to have that experience. And plus it's like, that's all I've got. Like I can't uh, <laughs> give him uh, you know, I'm not a, I can't give him like a tryout for the, for the Cleveland Browns or, you know, the Liverpool football club or, or any kind of movie stuff. So this is what we do sort of in our family and we know how to do this. So it's what I had to offer. And he's uh, such an excellent storyteller. He's got such cool um, story instincts and he had been helping me so much. And actually we kind of went back and forth quite a bit, even on this story and both brought a lot to it. And, and uh, so I, I, it was a really fun experience, like a bucket list kind of experience for me. I, I have really enjoyed partnering with him on it. It's, it's, it's been uh, all the things I was afraid might happen, like might rupture our relationship or kind of, we had a pretty good relationship before and I think we're just closer now. And so yeah. it was, it was, a, it was checked a lot of boxes for us. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So before I ask you questions about, what it's like to cultivate the sort of um, way of being in your home, because I think perhaps parents are are intrigued by that idea. Tell us a little bit about the series to begin with. We haven't even gotten there. Um, I don't know, Josiah, if you want to do this, what what is Jack Zulu about? And is the Waylander's Key the first in a series? Is it the main? But like, tell me more about just the plot. Yeah. So uh, the Waylander, the Wayland is kind of the, the universe that these stories will live in. Uh, and Lord willing, we're going to write more Jack Zulu stories in this world and, and maybe follow some other characters as well. Uh, so yeah, Jack Zulu and Waylander's Key is the first book in the series. It's about uh, the eponymous Jack Zulu, whose father is from South Africa and mother's from West Virginia. And so this kid is kind of already caught between two worlds uh, just in his everyday life. Uh, and the story kind of begins, picks up when he discovers a, a magic uh, gateway into this city between worlds. And so he kind of uh, has the opportunity to explore those and have adventures in them uh, and kind of learn where he truly belongs uh, throughout the story. And then what advice or what tips or thoughts did you give him, Sam, regarding just 
like story structure or character development or anything regarding that? Like, what are your thoughts about Jack Zulu? Well, I'm, I, I mean, it's, I love it. I think it's a really fun story. It's, it's, it's cool. I mean, I, I feel like what I did is I learned a lot from, 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 you know, we, we, the green number was a really natural kind of a thing. It was stories I told Josiah and his older sister, Anne, when they were really little and turned into a novel. And we just kind of accident, we sort of happened into so many things with it. I remember early on, people would ask us about like, Oh, you're doing so good marketing. And, and I was like, marketing what are you even what are you talking about we, have, we we were so busy and life was so crazy with young kids and things we had just had no idea what we were doing so we've learned but we've learned a lot uh in in the process so this was, it was fun to kind of bring a lot of that learning to beginning a new series a new franchise really is how we think about it something that's kind of got got a big a big world where we can tell we can play a lot in kids tend to play in the in the green ember world and I love that. That's what we did. That's what I did when I was a kid, which is what I did. And so we, we, we wanted to create a world that was big, that have a, could have a lot of different kind of stories, a lot of side doors, back doors, you know, just a lot of breadcrumbs everywhere. And uh, Jack's just sort of like our first foray into that. And uh, I don't know if I did any kind of like, I don't, we're so, I, we feel like, I feel like we, we have so much in harmony. It's kind of, I feel like we're a little bit like a band that just has played together a long time, like about stories. And so we didn't necessarily like, Hey, now we need to do this when we, I mean, we, maybe that came up, it was almost like we just got out on the field and well on the, on the stage and started playing a little mm. bit. Is that felt to me? I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel like we were like, Hey, the structure has to be here. Actually, I don't think about that very much <laughs> with my own writing. Yeah. That's, I think that's probably more my side of the process is sort mm. of figuring out what the story actually needs as far as structure goes. That's what I'm interested in. Uh, and so we, we definitely had those discussions uh, writing this book. We had a lot of talks about what needs to happen for this to have the most, you know, emotional impact for people and, and how do we communicate that clearly and, and those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, that's, funny it's funny you bring that up because you, you would think about there's a lot of things you would think you would think oh sam uh somewhat established author or whatever let his son into it and helped him but it was really the other way around josiah let me into his world and then exactly what you're talking about he was really the the leader on that structure stuff like because i'm a lot more suspicious of structure than he is i'm a lot more suspicious <laughs> of uh, I, I, I think there's story math that, that, I, that I'm all a big fan of, but he's a lot more uh, interested in like, this is the through line of the story. And then if it, if it's not adhering to that, whether like sort of like the antithesis or, or the, the, if it's not challenging the thesis or then it doesn't, it should go, you know, he's got these sort of, he thinks about like, like a filmmaker, which you have to, when you're communicating to 300 people on set or something, you have to be, everybody has to be singing from the same hymn. And as an independent operator, as a novelist, I don't, I don't think about those things as much. I think some of that comes naturally and some of it maybe I don't do that good but uh he he was really the structure guy and the story math guy and he was and actually I've learned a lot from him uh mm. about that and I think this book is a lot tighter and actually I think my later green ember books are tighter because of his influence uh and I think I'm getting to be a better writer so it, it actually felt like uh I don't know to me I felt like I I was I, I love sports and so it just felt like, you know, you're playing a pickup basketball game or something. And it's like, really, you get like this really great teammate that's going to carry, you know, that, that their best defender has to guard so that now you're a little bit more free. That kind of, that's how it kind of felt like, uh, Oh, I'm not alone. And he, he just, I really brought a quite a, quite a punch to this story. Uh, it just, I, I, I know what it would have been like without him and it would be, mm. uh, it would be a lot weaker. So you didn't exactly like tap into the hero's journey when we were writing, when you were writing the green ember, because it certainly feels <laughs> like it. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Actually. Okay. In fact, like any sort of cliche about like, you know, I was 
frustrated. I, I didn't like the um, the whole like the oh there's a there's a boy out on his own and oh he's actually the hidden prince and he's you know I actually yeah. played against those stereotypes quite a bit. I mean I I was aware that people would assume those things, which I kind of liked. But I sort of played against some of those things. I mean, I'm I'm br- b- broadly aware of sort of the hero's journey stuff, but I can honestly say I never remember ever thinking about that in ter- in, in the Green Ember. Just just as well, like, and it shows. <laughs> no, no, I think exactly the opposite. The hero's journey, I think, is what's true about the hero's journey is it's it's like sort of a shared uh, structure in most stories. You know, it, it's has something to do with three act structure and just like the the story of the world. I think so. It's. Uh, I think it's in stories, whether you realize it or not. You know, I definitely then, did not realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> still don't. I'm still I mean, even now. I'm like thinking, like, what did the Green Ember? Did the Green Ember, <laughs> the Green Ember definitely has echoes or uh, maybe allusions to. I was actually funny. We were just listening to a history uh, podcast the other day, and we were driving back from Nashville, and, mm-hmm. and it was talking about uh, Queen Elizabeth at Tilbury after the during the Spanish Armada part, and mm-hmm. she's giving her. Um, her speech and she puts on armor and she said, you know, so I'm a, maybe a weak woman, but I'm a, I'll be a fighter. You know, I'll fight beside you and all this. It's really beautiful kind of a, a moment, but there's, we have one of those moments in, in the green ember. That's the only time I can think of like, I actually like, Oh, there was something that sort of directly in- thinking about the book. You're <laughs> <laughs> Doing stuff on purpose there. For a yeah. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, I feel like Josiah, you're at the age where I can ask this. How old are you? <laughs> I am 17. Okay, I can't ask that. Um, I'm 45. But, if, you, if you care, if, if I do care that. because I'm 45 and my oldest is 17, so we're right hey. there. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my daughter is your age, and um, I I can think very similarly to you know how she thinks about stories and 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 stuff like that. Where do you think uh, you were? Maybe that's not the right way to ask us. Um, what in your family structure or in your home life do you think cultivated this freedom or this um, imagination in your life to where you could create a story? Hmm. That's super interesting. Probably the, all the beatings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to, to process that question. I think our family loves stories. Everybody loves stories. And I think maybe, you know, having a dad who's a writer by trade, I think maybe helped me recognize that that's a career path that's like viable, you know, and, you know, we're not starving. So it's like you can, you can survive as an artist, you know, and you can succeed in that field. Uh, And so I think I've always kind of just been comfortable with the idea of writing and storytelling as a profession. Mm. Uh, Maybe... Maybe our family has something to do with that. It feel, it feel, <laughs> I think it felt normal to you in a way that it didn't to me. Growing, sure, yeah, grow, yeah. growing up to me, it was very distant, kind of like, oh, that's something British people do, or it's really far away. Because I can remember a huge inspiration to me early on was Louisa May Alcott, you know, and, and uh, I had a teacher who read us Little Women, and I was just like, wow, Joe March, like she, she's an American and she writes and that's Louisa Malcott. Oh, that's who she, you know, that connection. I just, Oh wow. That's such a, so it got a lot closer for me and, but it was still, still somewhat distant, but yeah, you just, it was kind of in the, it was, it was like in the water for you yeah. uh, growing up in a way that it wasn't for me. And maybe that's, yeah. yeah. Well, and I remember, I don't know if you feel this way, Sam, I remember wanting to write or just loving stories as a kid and would walk into a bookstore and think like, how on earth did these people get permission to, right. <laughs> to print 
words on a page and then sell them. And it's not that world anymore for our kids in a good way. Yeah. It's so the gate, the gatekeepers are down in so many ways and, and, and there's all kinds of bad things that are, that are a result of that too. Mm-hmm. But generally I like the, I like the openness the opportunity that's there. You can kind of, uh, you can be bold in a way that, that, that maybe we couldn't, but I felt the same way. It was just felt, it felt so much more distant. So, so for you, yeah. I mean, you grew up just like touching, holding, shipping, you know, pushing, Stories, you know, moving yeah. around. So it was just all books were very, very accessible to you, not just in, and be able to read and buy them, but just pr- to produce them. Like we, 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 we're an independent uh, company. So like our publisher lives across the street, you know, across the gravel road from us right over there and it's his uncle. And so it's, it's all this, all the processes involved with it are, are really, uh, really close to home for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a huge, it's a huge blessing. It's a totally unfair advantage to be in this kind of environment on a daily basis. But it's, it's different for him. It's not just that he's around it. It's like a lot of kids can be around something, but he's gone the extra mile. He's the learner, you know, it's, it's his native tongue for sure, but he's, he, but he doesn't, it's not just enough to speak it around the table for him. Like he is like studying the past, mm-hmm. the history, like he's taking classes from great filmmakers and great storytellers and, and the music. And he, you know, he's learning, composing and this kind of, he's, he's curious and he's uh, studious. And I think mm-hmm. that's, those are the, the things I think that made this possible is how, how, how driven he is, how hard he works. And then uh, also like to me, uh, this is a little braggy as a dad, but I think his humility has been the the key that unlocked the whole sort of possibility of this. And I think that part of that comes from that filmmaking sort of side of things that filmmakers have to be, we think of like Hollywood, Oh, they're so arrogant and everything. And I, I understand that, but, but to make a film, you have to, it's always best idea wins and there's so many voices and you have to yield. You have to say, Oh, you have to not be precious in a way that, we always talk about that as novelists or writers, like killing our darlings and stuff. And we're so, we're such heroic people, whatever, but it's, it's easy compared, I think to, to, you know, I have a friend who's a filmmaker who just like, I helped uh, write some things and it was like, you know, he wrote some things and I wrote some things and those were gone like 20 iterations ago and there's no trace of them. And his his whole original idea, which he worked so hard on is almost completely obliterated for this, for, for this movie that he's making, which is better. It's so much better. It's so much better. But Mm -hmm. so I think just, I grew up seeing that kind of thing. And for me, it's a lot more difficult for me to let go of something, but his, his looseness, like, like the whole African sort of connection in the books, that's really from my childhood. That's, um, that's not because I grew up in Africa. I was, I was in, in South Africa in a Zulu church when I was Jack's age, the, the, the character. And so, and so that's, an, that's Josiah just let me like bring that whole sort of flavor to this story uh, with like no problem, you know, he mm. talked about it, but he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so it's always like best idea wins. So that humility is such a, and I think that's true for all cr- sort of creative vocations that, that it, it can be such a, um, a key to unlock things that certainly did in our relationship. Hmm. So I think you guys are a really great Venn diagram uh, of the people that listen to this podcast with Seth and me because uh, it's mostly bookworms, people who absolutely love books or stories, good stories, um, parents, and we have some teenagers who are listeners, adolescents, um, kids, you know, your age, Josiah, and my daughter's age. And so I have a feeling quite a few people are listening to y'all and um, I get asked this as well, where it's sort of like, how do you cultivate this environment in your home? Like, what are the good stories to, you know, infiltrate 
within the four walls of your home. And it's sort of like asking like a fish, what does water feel like? Because in our minds, it's like, well, I don't know, you just do. But I'm curious if y'all could toss out to our listeners some practical, like Josiah, whether it's like certain movies and books that you grew up on that you think were really formative or Sam on your end of things the same way. Like what did you intentionally do as a parent to make Mm -hmm. stories a high value in your home? You good? Are you on your, I can, I can start on that if you want. Yeah, no, I want to hear. Um, I'm curious. uh, Well, I I can remember just thinking about it very intentionally when Gina and I first got married, we became, it was, I wasn't a reader when I was younger. So I I was a really late bloomer on the reading side. I was probably Josiah's age, but when I started becoming a reader, um, so it was just, and I'm sort of made up for lost time pretty quickly, but I fell, fell in love with, um, with, with reading and that quickly led to, you know, Shakespeare and, and, and poetry and poetry. My papa really influenced me a whole lot, but it was, it was really late. So I, I felt very, Gina, and I both felt very, Gina read a lot growing up. So it was very intentional for us. We, we wanted that to happen. So I remember early on making a decision that we wouldn't, it wouldn't be like um, reading would be a reward. Reading would not be like a, you would do it and then you would get a reward kind of a thing. We would set up a dynamic that was kind of like reading was the reward. And I remember that, that feeling like, Oh, you, if we do this stuff, we'll get to read, you know, we'll get to read or that kind of thing. And not, not to make it too tied to like some kind of like moral kind of a thing, but that, you know, you're always doing stuff in your family. You're always incentivizing something and, and disincentivizing other things one way or another. And we tried to have a culture. I mean, our, our big parenting philosophy was always like, uh, you know, big love, big discipline, as in like, there's going to be accountability. We're going to be parents. We're going to have authority. We're going to say, you can't do this. And we have to respect that. Like we got to, we've got to like, we've got to have that dynamics, but there's going to be a lot of love. Like it's going to be hugs. There's going to be, you're going to get caught doing the right thing. You're going to have, that's sort of our heart was to try to like do those things together and not be like real authoritarian. We wanted to be like, you know, a garden of yes and a tree of no as our sort of family culture and, and not the other way around. Um, but it was always, there was always going to be stories. There was only going to be reading. And I, I don't, man, to me, it's like conversations. It's just like, it, like you said, Tish, it's in the water. It's like, that's what we did. That's who we were as far as people. I, I think it was pretty natural, but I also think your older sister, Anne, who's 19, she, she just took to it. So it was very yeah. much like she was a good example. I think mm-hmm. of that. She was, she loved reading from a really early age. She was, she just, um, so all the stuff that we tried with like in cinema, it was just like, better than a hit with her just because she just got because it was almost like it's addictive you know (laughs) like if you just let it if you and that didn't happen for me till I was so I was really concerned about that I wanted to oh so many boys don't read so many boys and I was really concerned about that so so uh it was just in the it was just there early on and took to it and then I think you just came right along yeah absolutely as well I think specifically a story that really shaped who I am and who we are as a family is I think the Narnia books like that's so much of the framework of how I understand the world comes from C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. And, you know, you, you read us Bible stories when we were really little. Yeah. And that's just like, that's, that's in me, I think from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Robin Hood is another yeah. one. Another, another thing that we loved as so much as I loved that as early on when I was young reading reader and that you just really loved you. That was mm-hmm. full. You his imagine. I mean, I, it was cool for me because I absolutely just adore Robin Hood still yeah. do. And, and, and he, I remember as a young kid, he just drew Robin Hood all the time. And then he really, he started as an illustrator. Like he was a really good, uh, he was really good at art, really good, an excellent illustrator. He's kind of touched a lot of different sort of kinds of 
storytelling and art in his young life. But that was the first one. That was your first love. Yeah. And, and it was really about Robin, which is funny. You think about that and informing your imagination. Yeah. There's, there's so much virtue in that story. Absolutely. And then honestly, like coming after a lot of those was like star Wars, like, like any kid, I was like just for a couple years of my life, just entirely obsessed with star Wars. And that, mm-hmm. that shaped, I think a lot of the way I understand stories too. Yeah, that's almost a rite of passage, I think, for for a lot of people is the Star Wars phase. And in many people, it never leaves. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious because you wrote this with the idea of creating a film series in mind. What is your process, Josiah? Like you've written this book. You've got more books coming out. Where where do you hope to go? Where do you hope to take this? Mm. I think the the most tangible goal right now is finishing this Jack Zulu series. Okay. Uh, and I think we want to see more stories in the Wayland world, but I think that the, the main goal for us is to finish, we're planning a trilogy. Uh, and so it's, it's to finish out this main sort of character arc of these characters we've been following. Uh, but uh, someday we'd love to see it on the screen. I don't know exactly what form that'll take, uh, but I think that's always, that's always been in the story. Uh, and I think, uh, I'm excited. I, I hope it. I hope it happens. You know, I hope we're mm-hmm. able to make that happen someday. And it started that way, and then we did this. We were doing this novel adaptation, but you're also like going back and like readapting it to the screen. Like you're yeah. already writing screenplays and stuff like that. Yeah, too. it's hard not to work on. I mean, we're work, we're writing the books and everything. It's hard not to think about that for me visually. It's hard not to to imagine what that would look like uh, on on TV or film. Yeah. Well, and kind of what we were saying regarding printing or getting published, I think there's a lot of opportunities and options this day in terms of like few gatekeepers and and resources and tools that there's a lot of ways you could do this. Hmm, Absolutely. It's exciting. We just need to, we just need about $50 million. It's so easy. The gatekeepers are gone. There's no money's available. (laughs) Nothing's stopping you, man. Um, Okay. So you said you were a visual artist. Did you have anything to do with the cover of Jack Zulu? I, I did. Um, I did the graphic design for the cover and you designed the cover. Yeah. I guess I did. I didn't really think about that. I, (laughs) This wonderful illustrator uh, named Corey Godby did the artwork and he's just incredible. I love his work so much. Uh, but I think we, we talked with him and I gave him a, a sketch of what we kind of wanted it to look like. And I'm, I'm not extremely talented at drawing, but I can kind of suggest what needs to happen. So we've, we've given him uh, sketches to kind of cool. give him a direction to take. And you did cover. the logo, just, I did the logo and the layout and uh, he's, he's a good graphic novel, a uh, graphic uh, artist. All the, all the good things are me and all the bad things are, are other people. There you go. That is a great posture for life. <laughs> just start taking all the credit. <laughs> so Josiah, you being 17, um, are you, are you a junior or a senior? Or... I'm a senior. Okay. So uh, what is next for you after high school? Do you know? Hopefully film school. That's okay. well, that's what I'm feeling like right now. Uh, I'm not sure about it yet, but I think mm-hmm. I think I'd love to go to film school. Back to that's that fifty cool. million dollars. That would be nice too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Understood. Understood. <laughs> Sam, how about you? What's what's on your plate these days? Not film school. I'm I'm, I'm done mm-hmm. with I'm done with. Film You're not going to go with me? No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want your dad to be your roommate? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of uh, Michael and George Michael there for a second uh, from Arrested <laughs> Development, but no, no, right. I'm not following. I'm not following him to school. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here at the old farm and uh, mm-hmm. and and keep working on novels. At. Yeah, I, I've got really. 
sometimes we talk to people we've done it recently again like uh, about sort of film ad- adaptations of of the green ember and now jack zulu and that kind of thing and that's cool it's it's nice it's nice to think about that in some ways but i just we already have such a cool gig like it, i have uh, i feel so grateful uh, in many ways i'm sort of um, uh, it's hard because it's the job and, and you know this it's like every you know yesterday uh for us we the, the book officially released it's a lot of work it's there's a lot going on it's you can't stop and it's hard to it's i should say it's hard for me to stop and just sort of smell the roses and all that but it's so it's it's a job but what a cool job i mean i, I get letters all the time from kids beautiful letters sweet sweet kind notes from kids all over the world and and drawings and 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 so I've got this I've got this job where I get to show up to it and I don't have to fake anything I don't have to pretend enthusiasm I don't have to pretend like I like the people that are my customers so to speak because this they're this audience that I feel called to love and to serve and they're kids they're these kids who are beautiful and vulnerable and they've got so much joy and so much appreciation they're not super cynical uh, and so this opportunity to sort of be welcomed into their homes and their hearts is such a privilege that I can't believe it. And so I'm, so I I kind of like, if I, if the Lord just gives me the blessing of being able to do what I'm doing now for the rest of my life, uh, I will, I mean, that is winning big time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful for that. So I don't have any spectacular plans. I just want to keep doing um, cool stuff with books and keep, keep serving these, these awesome uh, kids. Well, and I hope you do keep creating stories because we do need, I think you're, you're meeting an actual need, especially for the uh, middle grade set or just that age where we're so formed by the books we read at that age or just the stories we learn and, and tell ourselves. Um, and I mean, gosh, we need those new classic stories. And Josiah, I would say the same thing to you, right? If you have stories in your head, we need these virtuous, good you know, virtuous yet well-told, well-crafted mm, stories. Yeah. We we are yeah. uh, we have a dearth of those in our culture. So, good work for both of y'all. I think. Thank, Thank you. you. We we feel the same way. We're super like, and and our well, my prayer for sure for years has been that, that there'll be more and more um, that this is just uh, not, we don't need another C.S. Lewis. We don't need another J.R. Tolkien. We need like we need you know Sally something sitting mm-hmm. in. Fort Worth right now writing a story and she's 10 years old or something like we need her. We need her to, like you said, to be cultivated and equipped to tell like better stories than the green ember, like, go do better, go further, like get, 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 you know, do better than Jack Zulu. And like that does, I think you're right. That's a real cultural need, you know, that the, the stories we love um, shape us and our culture, even our little ecosystems or our little family cultures, whatever, so profoundly and so deeply that, that, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. we need, we need a, we need more and more and more. So, so yeah, I'm I'm on that team for sure. Yeah. Amen. Well, we tend to wrap up every episode sharing one thing that's just adding more joy or beauty to our days. So I would love you guys to begin whoever wants to start. What's one thing big or small right now that you're enjoying? Hmm. Me or you? You? I'll go. Yeah. So I have, would it be appropriate to share a Bible verse? I, yeah, of course. I, I don't, I didn't plan to do that, but I was this, um, this passage from the Psalms kind of cropped up and it was in Psalm 42 and 43. It was the same sort of, uh, repeated, um, verse. And, uh, so I'll just read it. Okay. Why are you so full of heaviness? Oh, my soul. And why are you so disquieted within me? Oh, put your trust in God, for I will give him thanks, who is the help of my countenance and my God. 
Thank you. So that's that's for me. Very cool. Uh, well, for for me, I think uh, something that's that I, that brings me joy that I want to do more of is uh, is lately that I've been more tuned into is just to getting to move more, uh, taking walks. And it sounds, that's such like a 45 year old, you know, and my bird feeder and, uh, you know, but, uh, trust me, I get it, <laughs> but I, just moving. And so I've been able to play a little pickleball and a little bit of basketball recently. And just like, I forgot, I for, I easily forget how much movement is so important to me, like for my mm-hmm. mental health, for my physical health, for yeah. my joy, every, all those kinds of things. So, so what we tend to walk a lot mm-hmm. and work while we're walking, like just talking and, and stuff. And, and, uh, that's, I need it. I need it. Um, mm-hmm. um, I need to move uh, to get to get the get the old body in gear and get the old mind in gear. And so that's been a that's yeah. been a blessing for me for sure. I think those of us who can often live in our heads and and work with the screen need that reminder that we're not just like minds. We're actual bodies yes. that God's given us like a three D world to live in. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And preach it. Yeah. I mean, as we get more and more digital and more and more phone and social, it's. And I just saw a, a a stat yesterday. A big surprising thing that like the thing that makes you less happy is like video games and social media and all the and the things that make you happy are like uh, getting sleep, um, going to church. Uh, exercising like yeah. like it's not rocket science but somehow we just still think that we're gonna like we're really we're smarter than our ancestors we know that, that they were dumb but it's just like movement and 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 uh yeah. is so is so powerful and, and yeah, yeah. Doing this. actually church that's another thing i love mm-hmm. too <laughs> yeah yeah well i'm with you on all those things um my one thing right now is i love music I have it playing in our house all the time. And there's an album that came out a year ago. I don't know if you guys know the Porter's Gate. I really like their music. And they've got an Advent one that came out last year. And my listeners know I I wrote a book about Advent and it's that time of year. And so for me, I love Christmas music, but there's something really cool about Advent music because it it really embodies that anticipation that we're supposed to feel for those four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And so um, that particular album has been on repeat around our house right now. So that's what I'm going to share. Do you, do you listen to it before uh, Advent? Like, I'm I'm curious about this. Like, your practice. Do you <laughs> not to take over your podcast and put you in the in the spotlight? No, no, it's but right. you, like, participation or anticipation of Advent, which is a season of uh, anticipation. Yeah. Do you do you kind of get started? But because it's, it drives me crazy, I just see Christmas stuff everywhere, and I'm always like, man, we I'm not even I'm not even in Advent yet mentally. Uh, I know. Let alone, I know. Let alone Christmas. It's tough for me because, you know, I wrote a book several years ago, so I'm already thinking about Advent like the month before Advent. However, um, Advent became such a gift to me when I was, um, you know, probably about 10 years ago when we really started incorporating it more into our family rhythm when it came to the kids because I felt like we were like diving in so much into Christmas that by the time the day actually came and, you know, the historic concept of it being 12 days, we were sick of it by then. Um and honestly, we tend, we meaning humans tend to enjoy the anticipation almost more than, than the thing itself. And so to me, Advent is a gift to just savor. And so it just depends on the year. Like this year, I'm more excited about Advent than in previous years where I was just sort of like, oh no, not yet. And so, yeah, I've already got it going, but that's not because I'm a purist about it. Like some years, yes, some years, no, it just depends, you know? Mm, yeah. Neat. 
I feel like I would anyway. love to talk to you. I'd love to talk yeah. to you and interview you about that for like four hours. So, but, oh, we uh, could do I, that sometime. I I love the topic. <laughs> so anytime, really. Um, well, I'm so glad you guys came on, and I just really think y'all are a great example and a model of a parent and a young adult child doing things together and collaborating with stories and imagination. And so I'm really grateful for what you've done with Jack Zulu. And I hope, I hope it becomes a thing. Really. I think it's, it's a really needed story. So well done y'all. Thank you. Thanks so much. I really appreciate yeah. it. It's been, it's been fun talking to you. I wish, yeah, we need, we need more. We need more tissue in our lives. Oh, mm-hmm. well, thanks. It's been great to chat with y'all. And as always, it's time to wrap this up. You can find this episode as well as all episodes at a drinkwithafriend.com. You can find me and how to connect with me, especially via my newsletter at tishoxenwriter.com. How about you guys? Where can people find you? Uh, we both have websites that exist okay. on the internet. Uh, you can go to stsmith.com and you can go to uh, josiahcsmith.com and we're both uh, on Instagram as well All right, I'll put the links to all of that in the show notes so people can just find this episode but it's better for your mental health if you don't don't follow us on on social media (laughs) take a walk instead All right, people have been warned yeah they know how I feel about Instagram around here Uh, music (laughs) for the show is by Kevin McLeod editing is by Kyle Oxenreiter and I'm Tish Oxenreiter with normally Seth Haynes who will be back here with me again soon thank you again for listening and thank you Smiths for joining us today Thanks for having a pleasure.